Kia ora. Welcome to 168 Days of Magic. This is the podcast that invites you to empower your creative spirit and get stuck into a project that nourishes, nurtures and excites you. Each episode, we'll be looking at how mindfulness, productivity and creativity all come together to give you the power, stamina and resilience to bring something new into the world. My name's Jordan Harcourt-Hughes and I'm an artist living on New Zealand's stunning Kapiti Coast, which is just an hour north of Wellington. I'll be your host and creative champion on this journey and I'll also be introducing you to some other wonderful people along the way, including some of our other local artists, wellbeing practitioners and life coaches to help us on our journey. Well, welcome back for another episode of 168 Days of Magic. On the creativity front today, we'll be talking about sense checking, reflection and resistance uh, to help you kind of think about where you're at in terms of your creativity in general and specifically your own creative project. My podcast chat is with yoga teacher Sue Stokes. She is the facilitator and founder of the 35 Day Detox. And so she's got lots of very sound and sage advice for us today. And on the productivity front, we'll be talking about how you can define success for your own creative project. So let's kick off. So today, one of the things that I wanted to talk about is sense checking, reflection and resistance. Now, this is something that you can start to think about once you start to get into the flow of your own creative project. And if you remember that we're talking about a six month creative project here, it may be that you're a month or two in, you've had some time to get into the flow of it, uh, you're enjoying it. But as with all creative projects, they don't always go to plan. And actually I can pretty much guarantee you that they won't go to plan because where you start at the beginning of a creative project is really just where you've got the germ of an idea. But all of the things that you do along the way help you refine and explore that idea. And I always encourage you to do that kind of exploration for a good couple of months. So just get into it, enjoy it, explore, find what's working for you, find what you're enjoying. And that's part of reflection. And reflection may be through journaling. It just may be going and having a nice coffee in a cafe and just sitting and giving yourself 30 minutes to think about where am I at with my creative project? How am I going with it? Is it turning out the way I thought? Am I enjoying just getting stuck into it? Reflection is a great way to keep in touch with how we're thinking and feeling about our work. One of the things that I've encouraged you to do and always encourage you to do is not think actually. I encourage you to just start doing. So start playing with paint, start writing, start getting stuck into things by actively doing it. But the thinking is valuable if you can do it in short sprints and if you don't overthink. So it's a fine line, uh, but it's a good thing to do. So thinking brings it up back out of the intuitive space where we're just exploring our intuitive, natural approach to something. And we're stepping up into that logical, reflective space because this is how we start to toggle between the two states. So our intuitive state and our logical state. For me, I spend a lot of time in that intuitive state, but it always helps to jump back into that daylight sensibility, which is about what does this mean? What am I doing? How is it going? How is it meaningful for me? What does it look like moving forward? So this is a great time for you to start doing that. And again, think about it in the context of what does this project mean for you? How are you feeling about it? That's the main thing that we're looking to reflect on at the moment, because at the one to two month mark, it's still pretty early. You've still got a good four months to go yet. So this is the time to really um, kick off that reflection process. And there's a couple of questions that you can ask yourself. Do you feel proud? Do you feel satisfied? Are you worried? Is it turning into a disaster? 
Are you feeling stressed? Are you feeling alone? Are you enjoying the exploration? Are you feeling happy and nourished by being creative and spending time on your piece of work? Have you got questions? Do you think you need help? You know, all of these things are great to start pulling out of your ecosystem of sensing and feeling and thinking. So sometimes these things can bubble away and it's not till we stop and put them down on paper, then we can start to have a plan of action about what we do about it. So if everything's feeling and looking great, keep doing it. If you've got some niggles, think about how you can start to address those. But this is just that step of putting it down on paper, getting it out of your head so you're not thinking and thinking and thinking. So just get it out. This is part of that mindfulness aspect that really helps us be in the moment, understand how we're feeling, and then possibly take action or not, or just let it all kind of just pass and not feel too worried about it. So today I'm talking about reflection, sense-making and resistance. And resistance is something that I'm really interested in, partly because when I've run my studio workshops, students have been coming in saying, I'm exploring resistance and it's amazing and I think everyone should be exploring it. And so I am grateful for my students for sharing a lot of the work that's been done around resistance. And if you don't know anything about resistance, you might want to look up Stephen Pressfield, who wrote the war of art and has really brought this idea of resistance to the fore. And this is what happens when we commit to something and then we find that we're making excuses not to do it. And this can come up a lot in creative work because creative work can be hard. Creative work can require us to look inwards, to be brave, to be vulnerable because we're potentially doing new things, we're moving into a new space and we're not sure if we're doing it right, we're not sure what other people think, we're not sure if we're spending our time properly, we're not sure if it's a waste of time. You know, all of these things can start to rise up as we start to commit to something and resistance is a natural part of it and I love this idea because knowing what resistance is means that we can start to identify it. So I thought I'd give a really simple example, not of creative work but something that is uh, has been happening this year for me. So this year I've spent a lot of time focusing on my well-being. Uh, I've had some challenges with pain and so I've been looking at ways to address that pain and resolve it and I've had such a great success and I'm very proud of the year. I'm very proud of everything that I've done and I'm grateful for everyone who's been with me on that journey and has helped me talk it out, work out solutions, do a deep dive into my subconscious to look at that kind of deeper programming. Uh, So I've kind of gone through that and I spent a lot of time in that space this year and I'm really on the far side where I've had great leaps but I still know that I have to do things proactively to make sure that my body doesn't start to lock up and my body can start to lock up when I'm busy and I'm feeling stressed and that stress can start to reside in my body and I tense up I go rigid and I start to get pain so the one of the things that I know that really helps is to go swimming and so I try and go swimming a couple of times a week and it's incredible you would not believe or maybe you do if you swim I'm always astounded at how healing and therapeutic it is to swim. It really relaxes me in a very deep way and I feel amazing. If I'm feeling any pain, I know that after I've gone for a swim, it'll be gone. It literally just vanishes. And yet, when I'm really busy and tired, it's very, very hard to get to the pool and I can feel myself resisting it. I can feel myself making excuses and just diverting myself away from getting there, even though I know it's so good for me, even though I know I've committed to it and it's really helpful and I really enjoy swimming and I want to be in the pool. 
And this is, I think, a really good example of resistance where we, we've committed to something, we know that we want to do it, but in actual fact, something else comes up and we let ourselves get distracted. And I think the key for me is understanding and looking more deeply into the times when we get distracted and when resistance comes up for us. Because for me, it's really clear that this resistance starts to come up when I'm just too busy to take care of myself. So if I'm not getting enough sleep, if I don't have enough downtime to relax, to unwind, to just do fun stuff, I'm in such a state that it just mentally is too hard to do these things that are good for me because it, it requires me to put aside the time to put the energy into making sure I've got all my gear and I'm you know, allowing all of that time and, and I'm not getting taken off into other things. So resistance for me comes up at the points where I'm really busy and I'm not taking care of myself. And then that I think is a good reflection on my creative practice as well because that's the same thing. If I don't get into the studio and I'm not painting, I know that I'm not happy. I know that I'm not doing the things that I really want to do, but potentially there may be some reasons for that. So rather than just being overly critical of myself, which is is something that I could easily do, I'll try now and look for the reasons why I'm not getting to the studio, why I'm not painting. And very, very often it's about the fact that I'm not allowing enough time for myself to feel well. I'm not allowing myself enough time to just be grounded and relax and enjoy life. And I'm just doing a million different things and I'm in my busy brain. It's very hard to unwind and I know that I have to start stepping down. So more sleep, less coffee, those are two of the things that will help me start to step step back down and then I'll be able to uh, find my way again. But I just think, if, you know, once you're into the first couple of months of a creative project, it's really great to see if resistance is coming up for you. So it's something that you might want to reflect on. You may have really started off well, but somehow other things have come up or you haven't quite spent as much time on it. So if that's the case for you, maybe just have some thinking time. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that you have kind of not invested as much energy and commitment as you had originally planned. Potentially there's going to be some really good reasons and some really good learnings there for how you can manage energy, time, life in general to enable yourself to get back into that space where you're able to be creative, you're able to give yourself that time and that gift of enjoying it. So uh, my tip for you, if you're starting to find that you're not getting as far on your creative project as you thought you might, is resistance something that's coming up for you? So if you're ready to get creative, the 168 Days of Magic Studio Program kicks off in February. You can book for that on my website. I'd love to have you with us here in the studio. The Studio Program is a six-month journey that combines mindfulness, creativity and productivity, much like the podcast. The benefit is that you get to come and play in the studio and work on your own creative project or side hustle over a six-month period. So check that out on the website, jordanharcourthughes.com. It would be great to have you here. Well, my podcast chat, as I mentioned today, is with Sue Stokes. Sue's started the 35-Day Detox in 2014 when she wanted to create a heart-led business that reached out to people and helped them to create happier, healthy lives. So she now lives and breathes that program. Uh, it's enabled her to conquer triathlons, two marathons, and finally an Ironman. Sue, welcome to the podcast. It's awesome to have you. Yeah, thank you. Tell me a little bit about you. You're a yoga teacher and you do marathons and Ironman events. So how did you get to that point where you're doing all these amazing things? Okay, only one Ironman. Let's be very clear about that. I've been doing yoga now for 10 years. Uh, it's actually just, just coming up the 10th um, anniversary. And I only did yoga for about two or three months before I did my 
teacher training, which is quite unusual, but I knew the moment I started that I really needed to know more about it. And it was a response to being a corporate executive. I was working in Dubai, so I was, and I was doing a lot of traveling. I was a sales account manager, company director. It was all full on, so it was stress. I was quite sick and um, I needed to look after my health. And yeah, yoga was, my mother had been trying to teach me, not teach me, but tell me to do it for years. And I was like, no, I haven't got time for all of that. I think what was the defining moment was I realized that you can invest in a lot of things, you know, like chiropractors and facials, massages, all of the things that we do. But at the end of the day, unless you work from the inside out, it's not going to make any difference and it's not going to give you any longevity. So that was my realization was if I really wanted to go into, you know, a healthy older age, then I needed to start working on cleaning my act up and yeah yeah, so that was where the yoga came from and then the endurance events really came from um, my desire when I came back to New Zealand to connect with other women and so got into training and it was also a test of like how much I was improving my health because when I first started running I couldn't run at all I had asthma I you know I had a long lot of reasons so so, yeah, so it was just showing me how much I was improving. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Just going back to that point where you kind of, you were in living, living the corporate life and knew that you needed to change, yep. what were you feeling? Like what was your body telling you? What symptoms did you have that you knew you, things weren't going well? Oh, my gosh, I had everything. Um, let's see, um, I had um, rosacea, so my skin was breaking out, um, autoimmune, um, psoriasis, um, so again, same thing, um, a lot of digestive issues, God, yeah, it just went on and on, the list was mm. somewhat endless of things yeah. that were going wrong with me, and not enough to stop me um, functioning, but certainly en- enough to stop me enjoying life. And so when I work with women, I, I see a lot of those things like, yes, we can cope. We can just, we keep getting by, but are we really enjoying life? And I, I got to the point where I was intolerant to most foods. I couldn't do dairy. I couldn't do gluten. I couldn't do red meat. It just went on and on and on. Mm. And it was, so yeah, I'd, that's where I'd got to. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So now you, you, you teach yoga. What is your personal yoga practice like? I have a studio which is a converted garage and some days I go down there and I only do 10 minutes. Uh, Other days I'll do an hour and a half. It depends on how I'm feeling and what other things are going on. Some days I really won't want to go down there, but I'll just go down there and say, okay, I'll just sit on my mat for a couple of minutes. And that leads me to think, well, actually, I could probably stretch. (laughs) Yeah, so... It's made a huge difference to my life. It's the idea that you just do something each day. And then I also do things, I think, during the day. Like I, I'll lie on the floor. If I'm going to take a moment or two to have a break, breather, then I'll lie flat on the floor in Shavasana because that will realign my spine. Mm. So things along those lines um, go just get incorporated into my life. Mm. 
So I think people can get either competitive or kind of into the idea that you have to do a certain amount each day. But I like this idea of just being able to do something small or something little each day and it doesn't have to be the same every day. Do you think that's a good approach? Oh, it's a, that's a perfect approach because we are different every day. Some days we haven't slept. Some days we are hyper-stressed. Some days we're lethargic. Um, and I'm a great believer in people understanding what they need and working out intuitively what they should do rather than saying, oh, I'm going to do that class because that class is by its nature a class for which is general rather than looking internally as to what you need yourself. Yeah. And what does it mean to you to be able to, to know intuitively what your body needs on a certain day? What kind of signals do you get from your body and what should people listen to to, to better intuitively understand where they're at? It's a, such a hard one because we're all so disconnected from our bodies, but the breath is the answer to it. If you are um, breathing um, and you know it's not a resting breath, um, then that's a fair indication that you need to do a calming practice. So yeah, the, I think the breath is probably the first place to, to look because our brains tell us lies. Yeah. They lie to us. They say, no, no, we're fine. You know, let's just rock it out another blood, you know. But actually, that's the worst thing for us. So, so yeah, you, the, the worst place to listen to is your brain yeah, because <laughs> that's your ego telling you what you should be doing and your best place is to, be, to try and get to their body and say, well, actually, what's my breathing like? Um, yeah, how am I feeling? Mm, amazing. Um, so you also work in the mindfulness space. What does mindfulness mean to you? Yeah, so mindfulness is part of yoga. I hesitate to say mindfulness as opposed to meditation because most people can't meditate because most people's brains are so full, including mine. I had a client this morning, actually, and I said to her, because we were just doing a little bit of mindfulness, and we'd done some yoga, and then we were I was getting her to breathe and stop and breathe and just watch the thought that came up on the basis that all the thoughts that come up are either something to do with something that's already happened or something that you're about to go and do. So it was about then recognizing that the while you're sitting there, the only thing you're doing is breathing. Again, it comes back to the breath. So the mindfulness is 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 the ability to tap in and understand and catch when you're taking a a thought further than just a thought, i.e. going down a rabbit hole. So yeah, I think that's a very overriding sort of way to describe it, but it's it's the nut or the core of the of mindfulness mm. to me yeah yeah lovely um and you also do energy healing how do you approach energy healing and why does it help everything is healing we're trying to heal so i think the journey we are is to come back to health which is the well-being i approach most of my teachings as well as what i'm doing for myself on the basis can we vibrate higher today so to me, it's all about vibration. That's the understanding that we are just a, a bunch of vibrating cells and everything we do will either raise our vibration or lower it. So the healing side of it comes into to whether there's blocks and that's where the chakra system, we find energy blocks and that's where things like, yeah, chakra um, meditations, clearing, uh, Reiki, those sorts of modalities are part of it. I'm not a Reiki practitioner at all, but I can do some on myself and on my dogs. But I send a lot of my clients off to do something along those lines when I think that's where they're at. So I also use sound, sound meditation, sound healing for the same sort of thing. Um, music is healing. It raises and changes vibration. 
So those are a couple of things. Grounding, releasing energy is another one. And then, yeah, then the most basic, like if you're eating dead food, then you're lowering your vibration. If you're eating live food, then you're raising your vibration. If you're watching crap on TV, then you're lowering your vibration. If you're listening to something positive, you're raising your vibration. So that's all energy healing to me. Mm. It actually makes it sound easy and doable, actually, because if it's just about taking in more good things and and removing negative things or or lowering things, it sounds doable. It is doable. It's just, it's a practice and that's where the mindfulness comes back in, you know, being Mm. aware of what you're doing and and then taking that decision, um, you know, like, am I going to feed myself that, you know, coke or alcohol or am I going to have a, a, a glass of water and and look you might decide that the the wine looks far, far better tonight but then tomorrow it might be actually you know what no I think a, a green smoothie would be a really good idea so it's just to me it takes all the emotion and all the stories away and it just comes straight down to vibration we ourselves we're vibrating are we vibrating up here or are we vibrating down here are we on the way up or are we dumbing ourselves down and the moment we start going down and down and down, then we're going to start feeling ill. And that's when we're going to start getting sick. Yeah. Um, to what extent do you think people dumb themselves down intentionally? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. We can't <laughs> help it. We can't help it because what we have to face is uh, something we're not ready to face. Mm. But when we're ready to face it, then we'll just, then it's, then it's really easy. Yeah. So easier to stay down in those lower vibrations because it requires less work. But when when we're ready to do the work, we can start heading yeah, upwards. Yeah, because we um, we we get sick of being down there, and we say, okay, right now we've got enough motivation, courage to to get mm. you know to you know that feeling. It's like right, oh, I'm over. I'm over this. Like I'm going to sort myself out now. Yeah. So tell us about your 35 day detox program. Who's that for? It's for everybody who's ready to, to go up that level, to level up. Uh, so my byline is uh, manifesting change. And it is about the fact that when you're ready to change, you need to create the change. It's not just going to happen. And it's about, yeah, leveling up, I think is a great way to describe it. It's a program that runs off the lunar cycle. So it's especially great for women, but it also affects men as well. But there is a lot to lot for women that can get out of that in terms of um, balancing their cycles and things like that. But beyond that, it's a framework to let change come in. So it's five weeks and it's five things that you do each week for five weeks. So it's 25 changes that you make. We start off at the really basic physical and then we move into the emotional and then we get into the mindset. So we deepen down as we go through the program and yeah it's a yoga based program so it's using all the all the techniques of yoga but it's also has a lot of other things that I've found interesting and helpful to me so it's got um, astrology in it Uh, it also has uh, feng shui but yeah it pulls in lots of things fitness uh, food it's got recipes sounds great one last question for you Suze Uh, what does the good life look like to you It's the holy grail, isn't it? For me, it has been what I've been trying to achieve. So it's about finding a balance between working and living. So that whole thing, are you working to live or living to work? And I was definitely in that space of, you know, all I was doing was showing up for work. But for me now, it's it's like taking the time, being able to do what I like doing. So like 
for example, I always walk on the beach. I've got obviously got two dogs, but um, but even without that, it's like connecting down to nature and on a daily basis. That's a really important part for me. It's about sharing the 35-day detox with people that want to go on their journey. And, and I get such joy out of seeing the transformations that people take and the journeys that they're on. It's being healthy, like life not being a struggle. doesn't mean that things don't happen. Um, lots of things have happened to me that I've had to overcome. But coming out the other side feeling better and more empowered it's quite simple really it's not it's connection I think it's that's a big thing about it but it's also connection with yourself it's a big part of it for me it's being happy in my own skin I said somebody said to me the other day oh you're really such a free spirit and I thought oh my god that's you know could be my new goal you know like this could be my new mantra I'd love for that to be the case you know because like we we get so tied down with so much and wouldn't it be cool just to be a free spirit Mm -hmm. you know so Mm -hmm. yeah sounds good yeah, that is, so that would be my ideal goal. Um, I don't think I'm there yet, but yeah. <laughs> but that's work in progress. <laughs> All right, thanks, Suze. No, you're welcome. Thanks very much. So I hope you've enjoyed my chat with Suze today. If you're interested in finding out more about her and her program, you can visit her website, 35daydetox.com. So as part of sharing with you my creative practice and the creative project that I'm working on, I wanted to share with you a few things that I believe. Colour is everything. Inspiration is everywhere. Communing with nature should be a daily practice. Walking puts everything into perspective. Art happens when you let it breathe. Spirit will find you anywhere that you're open to it. Teachers arrive in many forms when you open yourself up to learning and gratitude is free. So how are you going to measure the success of your creative project? I think there's lots of different ways to do this. We're all very different. We all have different needs and expectations and we all come to a creative project with different goals and ambitions. But anyway, I thought I'd kick off with five different ways that will help you think about what success means. And these are ones that you might want to test out as you start thinking about what success looks like for you. So firstly, are you enjoying the act of being in the moment? Creative projects give us the chance to play, to experiment, to do things differently. And if your creative project is letting you have the chance to just play and have fun, then that's a great indicator of success. Number two, is your project testing and challenging you? If you've set out to do something that you don't normally do, then it's likely that somewhere along the way you're going to experience frustration, annoyance, feeling like, gosh, this isn't as easy as I'd planned. But actually, it's probably a really great opportunity for growth. So if you're feeling that way at any point, it could be a really good indicator that your project is giving you exactly what you need. So thumbs up there. Number three, are you feeling more relaxed as you spend time getting into your creative project? Projects like this are really great to give ourselves a break. Whatever it is, if it's writing, painting, gardening, decorating, it's wonderful as a way of nourishing ourselves and finding something that's meaningful just to us. So if you're feeling relaxed and nourished, that's great. If not, then you might want to take the opportunity to make some small tweaks to your project so that next time you get a higher score on this front. Number four, are you developing some new skills? So creative projects help us develop skills in hugely different and varied ways. So from conceptual development, planning, logistics, time management, 
budgeting, learning new technical skills, new artistic skills, getting confident talking about our journey and our work and continuing to turn up another way at something. All of these are valuable and they can help us in different parts of our lives. So if your creative project is helping you to develop some of these new skills or muscles or capabilities, then amazing. Number five, are you feeling optimistic about your future? Creativity actually helps us to see potential and opportunity, and it allows us the chance to create solutions to the challenges that come up when we're working on something. So as we go, it's almost as if we're getting the chance to create our own future, to define what's meaningful for us and point in the direction of where meaning lies for us. So if your creative project is helping you to find solutions and imagine a new future, then I think you're absolutely on the right track. So there you go. There are five ways that I think are a good way to start measuring the success of your project. And I encourage you to get thinking about what's meaningful for you and share with me anything else that you're using to measure success. You can drop a line to the podcast. Hi there at jordanharcourthughes.com. Well, thank you for listening again today. It's been great to have you with me next time on the creativity front. I'll be talking about my own creative project again and where I'm up to with that. In particular, I'm going to be talking about how I'm trying to imagine the idea of silent sound. My interview is with spiritual and business practitioner Kim Chamberlain. And on the mindfulness front, we'll be talking about the art of positive self-talk. It's a really valuable tool. I value it personally, and I wanted to share some of my thinking around that with you and how you can incorporate that into your approach to your creative practice and your project. Okay, see you next time.